Hello, everybody, and welcome to Penguins to Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Just search Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, and all new episodes of Penguins to Go will come straight to the top of that feed. Like I also mentioned, YouTube at Inside the Penguins. Make sure you like, subscribe, give us your comments, let us know your thoughts. We love to interact with everybody on every platform that we possibly can. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and today we continue the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins player reviews. Running into the last handful of these as we're talking about the blue line for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I want to talk about the two men that together anchored one of the best defense pairs of the beginning of the season in the entire NHL. That's Jeff Petrie and Marcus Pedersen. Now, it didn't end up that way. Injuries forced both of these players to play with different D partners later in the season. Both players missed a chunk of time due to injuries in their own right. But let's talk about them individually. Jeff Petrie, in his first year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know a lot of people are looking back now and saying, wow, Ron Hextall's two trades in one day did not pan out, right? John Marino ended up being a very good defenseman for the New Jersey Devils, a team that broke out this year and enjoyed some stellar play from many players, John Marino being one of them. While Ty Smith played a handful of games for the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's still something you have to wait to see how it plays out because Ty Smith really didn't get an opportunity to play at the NHL level all that much last season because of how many defensemen were on the roster. The other trade, Mike Matheson for Jeff Petrie. Penguins got back Ryan Paling, who ended up being a good piece for them this year, hoping that he continues to be a good piece for seasons to come. But Jeff Petrie is a guy that I think it's fair to say didn't meet expectations, right? He came to the Penguins with the pedigree of a top-pairing defenseman, even though he's aging under a really bad contract and really didn't show greatness as a top pairing defenseman he was an injury replacement practically last season on the top pairing for the Canadiens because of Shea Weber's absence so you brought him in for several reasons one you wanted somebody who you knew what they were on the back end John Marino after a stellar rookie season had struggled for a year started to build back in year three and the Pittsburgh Penguins wanted a little bit more stability that's why they made the move did they get what they asked for? I would personally say no. Some people might say yes. I thought there were moments when Jeff Petrie proved to be exactly what the Pittsburgh Penguins needed, but there were also moments where he proved to be exactly as I see him, which is an aging veteran that still has talent, but was not worth the trade at the time. And certainly not one that I think fit very well when it came to the needs of the team at the time. Regardless, he finished with five goals, 12th on the team, 26 assists, which was seventh on the team, and 31 points, which was eighth on the Pittsburgh Penguins. He also finished just outside the top 10 in all underlying categories, 11th in shot attempts, 12th in expected goals, 13th in scoring chances for percentage. The one moment if I try to think back 
to his highlight moment of the season, it was his performance in Tampa Bay. Same game that I mentioned last week when discussing Drew O'Connor's highlight reel moment. In that same game, Jeff Petrie scored two goals in a 25-second span. Doesn't happen very often for players in general. Certainly doesn't happen very often for defensemen. But at that moment, you looked at it and you said, okay, that's a little bit more of what the Pittsburgh Penguins were asking for when they acquired Jeff Petrie. They wanted more of an offensive pop from that position that they weren't getting with John Marino. Throughout the majority of the season, they didn't get it. In that game, they certainly got it above and beyond. His second goal, by the way, was a beautiful short side uh, shot that got past Andre Vasilevsky. Like one of the nicest goals of the entire season. So it's not that he didn't show anything, because he did. And to a certain point, the Penguins had a much better record when he was on the ice than when he was off the ice. Now, that wasn't the only factor, but it certainly goes as a positive mark in his ledger last season. It wasn't a season that went as expected. Obviously, it's going to be hard whenever you face that injury. And we all remember how weird that injury was. It looked horrible when his wrist bent backward. He said, you know what? I'm fine. He finished the rest of the game. Told media members, yeah, I should be fine. Then it swelled up, got swollen after the game overnight, and he was out for a month. He was brought in to be a stabilizing force. And he was gone around the same time that Chris Letang was facing injuries. And then, of course, the rest of the defense just was a massive injury wing the rest of the season. He did, though, bring some of the advantages that the Penguins intended to have him do when they brought in. The main one was he helped take some of the ice time off of Chris Letang's plate. They just invested six years, over $6 million in Chris Letang. Right? $6 million a year, I should say. They wanted to protect their investment a little bit more. They wanted him to not have to play 30 minutes a night, 28 minutes a night. And to that extent, they did that. Because Jeff Petrie can log more minutes. He's a minutes eater. He was in Montreal. He started to do that in Pittsburgh as well this season. Chris Letang had his second lowest average ice time since 2014 this year. So to that end, yeah. That worked. He was supposed to bring out more physicality on the blue line, and he was more physical than John Marino was when he was in that slot the previous three seasons. But he also made more mistakes than John Marino made from that position for the previous three seasons. So overall, I would say that he did fall short of expectations in 2022-23. But that doesn't mean that it was a lost cause. That doesn't mean... That it was a horrible trade, although hindsight being 2020, Penguins probably didn't get the better of that deal, at least to this point, a year later. We'll see what happens in year two because the other thing that we try to ignore when talking about his performance and his performance alone is that he is signed to a monster contract taking up a lot of cap space. Let's talk about Marcus Pedersen to finish off this episode. He only scored one goal this year, which... I'm not sure why, but when I looked at that, that surprised me a little bit. I was like, really? Only one? Oh, well. Right? It, Marcus Pedersen is not here 
because he can score goals from the blue line. That's not his intended purpose. He had 23 assists, which was ninth on the team, and finished 11th in total points with 24. His underlying numbers might not show that he's one of the best defensive players on the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he truly was. 51% of the shot attempts, which was 13th. 56% of the expected goals, which was 6th. And 52% of the scoring chances, which was 10th. Overall, this season was huge for the Penguins' Swedish defenseman. He already had established himself as a solid top four level defenseman in the NHL. At worst, he's a good second pairing guy. But he showed this year that he might be able to handle top pairing minutes. He did for a solid three, four weeks, and it was getting better as time went on. He was getting used to playing with Chris Letang, as we talked about on Wednesday. And he showed that while, yes, Maybe the Penguins could use a top left-hand defenseman to keep Pedersen in that second role because that is the picture-perfect role for Marcus Pedersen. He can excel in that role, but it doesn't mean he can't handle top-pairing minutes if need be. We saw Brian Dumoulin. We saw P.O. Joseph. We saw Marcus Pedersen all play top left-hand defenseman minutes. Pedersen was far and away, in my opinion, the best option. I know that's not saying much compared to Dumoulin, who has taken a couple steps back, P.O. Joseph, who was in his first actual full season as an NHLer, but I will say, the stability that Marcus Pedersen showed was more impressive than anybody else on that blue line when it comes to actually defending your own zone. The one big issue and it continued this season, it's going to continue the rest of his career. He doesn't clear out the net front very well. He's not an overly physical defenseman. But my rebuttal to that, and to the people that say because of that, they don't like Pedersen. They still want to trade him, which I think the majority of people looking at this team realize that Marcus Pedersen should probably be one of the pieces that, unless offered something ridiculous, should not be on the trade block. But my rebuttal to those who say he's soft, which again, don't call any professional athlete soft because none of them really are. They're soft in the, in the essence of they're soft compared to other professional athletes who enjoy physicality because a lot of them do, but that's just not in his game. So my rebuttal to those that say he's not physical enough, he gets beat out in the net front, so did Brian Dumlin for a very long time. Dumlin wasn't a pushover in his own net front, but let's not pretend like he was some otherworldly player at clearing out the front of the net, that he was some overly physical defensive force in his own zone. He never was. And he was still one of the best defensive defensemen in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins. At his peak... That's what Brian Dumlin was. Do I think Marcus Pedersen has the potential to get there? Unlikely, right? Unlikely that he gets to that level, but I do think he has the ability to be a top-pairing defenseman, at least from what he showed this season. This season was the first time in a long time that I said, you know what? Consistently throughout the season, Marcus Pedersen has proved that he is an asset to this team 
And he's not a liability nine times out of ten. And that's something that I couldn't say for most of the defensemen on this roster, if not all the other defensemen that played on the blue line for this roster. His ranks among Penn's defense pairings. That's what we wanted. I wanted to look at really quickly. Because minimum 150 minutes played because they were, you know, Kulikov played with different players. Chad Ruedel, Mark Friedman all played with different players. Ty Smith came up. Taylor Fadoon. I don't want to look at those. I don't want to include those guys because they really didn't play that many minutes. 150 minutes, a calculable amount of time together. Where did Marcus Pedersen rank when he was playing with Petrie? And where did he rank in the time he played with Chris Letang? In shot attempts with, with Jeff Petrie, second on the team. Shot attempts with Chris Letang, fourth best pairing on the team. Expected goals four, fifth when playing with Jeff Petrie. Second when playing with Chris Letang. And oh, first when playing with Jan Ruda. Bet you forgot those two played together. The best expected goals for percentage. They played over 150 minutes of ice time together at 5-on-5. Five five. And the best expected goals for percentage with Jan Ruda, second best with Chris Letang, fifth best with Jeff Petrie. Three of the five best marks in expected goals for, all linked directly to Marcus Pedersen. I don't think I need to say all that much more about him, right? He's not a player that you're going to be able to most of the time look at the stat sheet and say, okay, goals, assists, points, plus, minus, penalty minutes. Was he good? Because if you looked at the stat sheet, you'd say, ah, I don't think. He's a defensive defenseman. The best thing that you could do is have a great expected goals for percentage and not have your name said by announcers night in and night out. Didn't hear Pedersen's name night in and night out because he was doing his job. Heading into next season, it may be the first time in a very long time that Marcus Pedersen is not on the trade block, or at least he shouldn't be on the trade block. Ever since he signed that contract, which some people determined to be premature with Jim Rutherford, people were saying, well, if they're going to trade somebody, it needs to be Pedersen. Pedersen's on the trade block. Hey, Pedersen, name to watch out for in the trade discussions. For the first offseason in a long time. Now, we don't know who the general manager is going to be. We don't know what plan he's going to look for. And I do understand that probably one of your best trade pieces is Marcus Pedersen. Look at the left side of that defense. Under contract right now, it's Pedersen, P.O. Joseph, and Ty Smith. You need defense. You need somebody to actually be able to perform in their own zone. I trust Pedersen more than I trust the other two. And I know the cap hits higher. I know he's a little bit older. But at the same time, that is still the best option on the left side. And unless you're bringing in two other guys for cheaper that can play the way that he plays, you're going to need Marcus Pedersen. So I would say he's off the trade block. I would imagine most people would agree. But that's going to do it for this episode of Penguins to Go. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere. You get your podcast from. We'll see you guys next week.